the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Were they in agreement? They weren't. Well, it's not them. But Tokes, you don't get it. I prayed and the Holy Spirit told me. I had a dream about me marrying the person. You sure you didn't eat late, even great at Wendy's? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, you have to agree. If the person is not in agreement, it's not the person. But Tokes, you don't get Listen. If the person is not in agreement, it's not the person. But maybe they weren't ready at the time. You're right. Maybe they weren't ready at the time. But wait for them to be ready. How do you know when they're ready? When they are in agreement. (laughs) So, number four. Agreement. Someone to agree with. Number one, companionship. Number two, identity. Number three, help. Number four, agreement. Number five, to learn authority. Someone to be accountable to. To learn authority. Someone to be accountable to. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says, Submit yourselves one to another in the reverence of Christ. Or out of your fear of the Lord. The scripture, the context was regarding husbands and wives. Submit yourself one to another out of your reverence for Christ. We need to keep ourselves accountable. That's part of what relationships are for. Unfortunately, this purpose of relationships was not adhered to by Adam and Eve. And see what happened. Adam did not keep Eve accountable, Adam did not keep himself accountable, and they got in trouble. If we don't keep ourselves accountable in relationships because that's what they are designed for, God will keep us accountable. I don't know about you, but I'd rather do it myself than God do it. God came to Adam, you didn't do your job. Instead, he blamed Eve. God came to Eve. She should have taken authority over the um, the serpent because, you know, God was going by the level of authority. Eve blamed the serpent, and God got on the serpent. You have no right <laughs> to talk to a human being. And everyone experienced God's judgment regarding that. But my point is, we're supposed to keep ourselves accountable. This is important because in a relationship, we're supposed to keep ourselves accountable in the spirit of love, of course. Now, here's a challenge. Some people don't want anybody to tell them anything. And you want to get married. It doesn't work. The Bible says if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in much. If you're unfaithful in little things, you'll be unfaithful in much. So comparing your job to marriage, your job is like the little thing. Marriage is the big thing. You're not accountable to your boss. Not accountable to people who are over you. What makes you think you're going to be accountable to your husband or your wife in the context of the relationship? You don't want anybody to tell you anything for any reason. 
you're going to have challenge in marriage. We need to understand that part of marriage is to keep ourselves accountable. Ephesians 5 tells the husband and the wife to submit one to another. The way the wife submits to her husband is by respecting him. If you follow the context of Ephesians 5, it starts off by submitting yourself one to another, then it says, wives, respect your husbands. Then the way the husband submits to his wife is by loving her. There's a book called Love and Respect. Some of you know about it. Great book. It kind of breaks this down. But you submit, obviously, in the overall context, the wife is under the authority of her husband. Notwithstanding, the wife respects him and he loves her. Now, there's something they call the chaotic cycle or whatever it is. The husband, the wife doesn't respect him, so he doesn't love her. But she's saying, I don't respect him, or he's saying, I don't love her because she doesn't respect me. And she's saying, I don't respect him because he doesn't love me. Well, somebody has to step up and do their part. Okay, accountability. We're supposed to learn authority in relationships. So number one, companionship. Number two, identity. Number three, help. Number four, agreement. Number five, to learn authority. Number six, production and dominion. Production and dominion. In Genesis 1.28, God made man. He made them, male and female. And he told them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, production, subdue it, dominion. Both of them, male and female. God wants relationship for production and dominion. Someone to produce and manage with. Fundamentally, in the context of marriage, God wants a husband and a wife to be fruitful, have kids, of course. Um, the dynamic might be different if the husband already has kids and the wife already has kids. So in a sense, they're already fruitful, so to speak. And I guess they can work that out. But fundamentally, you know, you're supposed to have kids because God says be fruitful and multiply. Notwithstanding, I also believe being fruitful and multiplying also applies to what you do with your life. There has to be fruit. There has to be growth. And some of you alluded to this in the discussion. You have to be growing in the relationship. You have to be doing more of what God has called you to do when you get into a relationship. This is one of the things that you can look out for when you get into into a relationship. Are you progressing or are you regressing? Are you being more of who God has called you to be or are you going away from that? How many of you have heard of the story of Ruth and Boaz? In fact, let me ask this question. Is there anyone here who has never heard of the story of Ruth and Boaz? Anybody who has never heard of the story of Ruth and Boaz? Okay, all right. I'm just going to give you a quick overview. There was a guy named Elimelech. Ruth has four chapters. Elimelech, he has a wife named Naomi. They had two sons, Malon and Kilion. There was a famine in Israel. They lived in Israel. There was a famine, so they left Israel. 
and went to Moab. When they got to Moab, the sons, Malon and Kilion, married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. Malon married Ruth, and Kilion married Orpah. So Elimelech, his wife Naomi, Malon, who married Ruth, the Moabite, and Kilion, who married Orpah, the Moabite, all lived in Israel. Unfortunately, Malon, Kilion, and Elimelech died. Okay, they all died. Then later on, Naomi and Ruth went back to Israel and Oprah stayed back. But this is where I'm going with the story. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it mentions that Malon and Kilion married the Moabite women, Ruth and Oprah. And they lived for 10 years. Then they died. Okay? Fast forward to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth has met a guy named Boaz, godly man, wealthy man, influential man. You know, I, I discussed this extensively in previous um, messages here. Ruth chapter 4 verse 13. The Bible says, Boaz married Ruth and he was intimate with her. NIV says, God enabled her to have a child. Some translations say, God caused her to conceive. Here's my point. When Ruth married Malon, she wasn't fruitful for 10 years. When she married Boaz, boom, immediately she got fruitful. So before you get into a relationship, ask yourself, are you bearing fruit? Not just kids, but are you better? Malon, the name means sickly. Sickly. It's a picture of an unhealthy relationship. Boaz means strength. And you guys have been talking earlier today, someone who makes you stronger. So she was in a relationship that wasn't God's best. When we are in unhealthy relationships, you don't bear fruit. You don't make progress. You're not enhanced. But when you are in the right relationship, you bear fruit. Not only was she fruitful, not only did she multiply in the context of her lineage, Ruth gave birth to Boaz, I believe the son was obeyed. Obeyed gave birth to Jesse. Jesse gave birth to David. And David's lineage led to Jesus Christ. Talk about dominion. Another example, going back to Moses. In Exodus, I told you how Jethro's daughters came to the well. Shepherds drove them away. Moses stood up for them. Watered their flock. They went home. Exodus 2.18, the father said, How come you guys came home earlier than usual? They came home faster than usual. Knowing what happened that day, obviously what had been happening was every time they went to the well, the shepherds came against them. So they had to wait for the shepherds to do whatever they wanted to do before they could get their water and go home. Consequently, they always came late. But the difference was Moses was there to help them. And because Moses helped them, they got home earlier than usual. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you are informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouwersingle.org. 
That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.